Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Let's begin this sermon by imagining uh, that Jacob Smith, the rector of Calvary St. George's Church, has decided that the sermons delivered here by the clergy are sometimes really not hitting the mark. I thought that was very funny. So, um, let's continue to imagine uh, that Jacob has decided that the solution to this problem uh, is to have some of the members of the congregation do some of the preaching. Now, as I look out, I know that there's some of you here who could do a terrific job, but here's my question. Raise your hand if you would not volunteer for this opportunity, if you would never in a million years stand up here in the pulpit to do this. Well, where's Naya? Naya. Naya Starr had her hand up. Would you stand up, please, Naya? (laughs) Naya is a member of the Calvary St. George's staff, and I'd like to use Naya, just as a moment, as an illustration of the instructions. It's okay. Um, that are given to us by Jesus in this morning's gospel. So Jesus says in this passage, if a member of the church sins against you, go to that person, point out the fault when the two of you are alone. So let's imagine that Jacob Smith receives a word from God that Naya is to be our preacher next Sunday. And Jacob informs Naya of this news. Sinner that Naya is... She refuses to obey this divine directive from her ecclesiastical superior. Then according to today's passage, by Jesus, Jacob is instructed by Jesus to go to Naya, tell her her fault, ask her to repent, and preach. If Naya refuses, then according to Jesus in today's passage, Jacob is to instruct Bill Getz and Jonathan Hansen, the two wardens of Calvary Church. Um, And Jacob and Bill and Jonathan are to go to Naya's apartment and to sit her down and to challenge her to repent and preach. And if she still refuses, then according to Jesus in today's passage, Jacob is to stand up in church next Sunday morning right here tell all of us about Naya's sin and challenge her in front of the whole congregation to repent and to get up in this pulpit. If Naya still refuses, then according to Jesus in today's passage, Jacob and you and I are instructed to treat Naya as a Gentile or a tax collector and to excommunicate her from this church and to give her a letter of transfer up to St. Bart's. Three strikes and you are out. Thank you, Naya. You can sit down. Thank you very much. Well, what do you think? What I think is that behavior like that is legalistic, self-righteous, judgmental, and totally at odds with the Jesus who sits down to eat dinner with Gentiles and who calls a tax collector named Matthew one of his best friends. What I think is that three strikes and you're out is totally, completely, 100% against everything else that Jesus teaches about forgiveness. In the very next verses following today's gospel, Jesus tells Peter that you're supposed to forgive not seven times, but 70 times seven. 
And all of this is why one commentator says that today's gospel is the passage that cannot be preached. Well, I think it can be preached. I actually think it's loaded with good news. But in order to see the good news, we first of all need to remember what realtors say are the three most important things in selling a house. Location, location, location. It's exactly the same in understanding a passage in the Bible. Location, 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 or to use a different word, context, context, context. And in today's gospel, which has been horribly misused down through the ages, the context is crucial. And the context here is not the need to forgive somebody of their sins. Rather, it is the need for the Christian community to be in harmony and to work well together. The context here is not the need for a sinner to repent, as important as that is. The context is the need for the church, the body of Christ, to have reconciliation as a fundamental mark of their life together. It reminds me of that 4th of July uh, parade in a little New England town in which there aren't any spectators because everybody's in the parade. Of course, my sisters and brothers are going to sin against me. Of course, I'm going to sin against you from time to time or maybe every day. We're all in that parade. And that's not the point of this context. The point Jesus makes here is that you and I are to bend over backward. We're to strive with all our might. We're to do absolutely everything in our power to heal divisions, to build up relationships, to make reconciling love the bottom line for the body of Christ at Calvary St. George's Church to say nothing of our nation as a whole and the world. In his book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis paints a picture of hell that's exactly the opposite of the picture of the body of Christ that Jesus paints here. Lewis describes hell as a vast gray city, and it is a city inhabited only on its outer edges, while all of the houses in the middle are empty, because everybody who used to live there has gotten into a conflict with somebody else and has dealt with it by moving away over and over. That, says Lewis, is why hell is so awful, because everybody is all alone. So isn't it intriguing, as we're getting ready for our life together in this busy fall season, starting with kickoff Sunday, next Sunday, that the gospel focuses today not so much on our individual relationships with Jesus, as critical as that is, but rather on our relationships with each other in Christ. You and I exist as the body of Christ to help others experience the same love with which we have been loved, to dole out measure upon measure the same forgiveness that we have received, to offer the same hope and new life that we have been given. Now, it is a given that we're not going to do this perfectly. It is a given that we're going to come up short over and over again this fall in offering mercy and hope. It is a given that you and I are going to need to be forgiven over and over as we live together with each other in this church this fall. But it's also a given, and this is the most important sentence in this sermon, that because of what Jesus 
has done for you and for me on the cross, we have a God whose forgiveness knows no bounds and who will never say, three strikes and you're out. And because that is so, and really only because that's so, I want to close with a little image. It's an image of what it may look like as forgiveness and reconciling love is a mark of our life together here this fall. This is a little picture of a man who had a serious heart condition and who underwent open-heart surgery, and I want to read to you his description of it in his own words. The day before the surgery, a nurse came into my room to visit. She took hold of my hand and told me to feel hers. Now, she said, during the surgery tomorrow, you will be disconnected from your heart, and you will be kept alive by virtue of certain machines. And when your heart is restored and the operation is over and you're reconnected, you will eventually wake up in a special recovery room. But you will be immobile for as long as six hours. You will be unable to move or speak or even open your eyes. But you will be perfectly conscious and you will hear and know everything that's going on around you. During those six hours, I will be at your side, and I will hold your hand exactly as I am holding it now, and I will stay with you until you are fully recovered. And although you may feel absolutely helpless, when you feel my hand, you will know that I am with you and that I will not leave you. And it happened exactly as the nurse told me. I woke up and I could do nothing. But I could feel the nurse's hand in my hand for hours, and that made the difference. Well, that is the image of the hand and the heart and the love of Jesus. That is the image of the scarred hand, the hand with the scars of nail holes, the hand that will not let us go. That is the hand that is reaching out right at this moment for all of our sisters and brothers down in Florida. So here we go into this fall with just that scarred hand holding ours. And that's all we need. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.